Hoffman once again showing his versatility. I think we have five number ones. Everything's coming up Millhouse. But $22 million for Brian Dobak, give me a break. And, and, and Redmond has been thrown out of the ball game. NFL tight end, you know, those playing years are dog years. Maybe it's adamantium. Maybe it's vibranium. Maybe it's maybe it's something really cool I don't even know about yet. Welcome back to another episode of the 300s Podcast. My name is Red, and as always, I will be your host. Today we're joined by the one and only Big Z. How goes it out there? Cold, but good to talk to you, Red. Yeah, I am freezing my ass off, and it's not even Thanksgiving yet. This is this is a problem. I didn't finish raking my yard, and I don't think I'm going to finish it now. I think it's just going to be there until next spring, and that might wreck my lawn. But hey, the past is the past. We're moving on. Yeah, uh, you're in a different position than me, obviously. You you own a house. I rent, so I looked out in the backyard about two months ago and said, fuck that. Uh, it's not my house. I don't care. We'll deal with this in the spring. It's too bad. I bought a leaf blower, and I did the Tim Allen, oh, 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 and then it was too cold to keep using it, but what are you going to do? <laughs> when I when I first moved in here, I was all about it. I I went to Home Depot. I bought, uh, you know, the, the mulch, or not the mulch. I bought, like, the fertilizer and the stuff to make the yard nice and i was really into it for about six hours and then it didn't work and i said well it's a good thing i don't own this house i'll just fucking destroy it i water the lawn a couple of times a week and then i forget and then i go on vacation and then summer's over we'll try again next year now not to get too off track but we're talking about lawns and uh this is a good segue if you want to talk about why i don't give a shit about my lawn i have a quick story so i came home from work uh the other night and I get home and I turn on the TV and I get this message that says, oh, your cable is out. <clears throat> there might be an issue with your with your direct TV dish. And, you know, when it rains or it's windy, cable can kind of go in and out and be kind of fluky just because those things aren't aren't great with that. So I'm saying, oh, that's weird. So I, I'm just kind of trying to figure out what it is. I go out to see if there's an issue with the dish. I go out and I look in the backyard. The dish is sitting in the back lawn. It's just in the grass. So I'm like, oh, OK, that's there's a problem. So I, I called DirecTV. I had the guy come out. I had the cable guy come out and take a look. And he's walking around. He's looking in the backyard. And he goes, oh, you took this off? And I'm like, no, dude. That's why I called you. I didn't take this off. The wind blew it off or something. And he's like, no, man. This thing is pretty much impossible to just blow off the roof. And look, someone cut the wire. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, hey, someone cut this. So I, I, text my ups- I text my upstairs neighbor. I'm like, hey, buddy, did you cut the cable cord and then just throw the dish in the backyard? And he goes, oh, shit, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were using that. So <laughs> we just he just cuts the cable cord and he just kicks it in the fucking backyard and leaves it there for the winter. Like, oh, OK, this is no problem. I won't even ask anyone about this. I didn't know why they'd be up on the roof. I mean, it, I think it has to be just to get the right signal, but... No, no, no. I'm what I'm saying is, what the hell was he thinking? Oh yeah. So it's they, you know, again, Directv being a shit company, they're too lazy to get up on the roof. So this is a dish that had been there for about a decade, anyways, when I moved in, and it was like I think it was on the side of the house or on the guy's deck or something. So he said, "Oh, I don't like the way this looks." So after a decade, I'm just gonna cut it off and throw it in the backyard. Now I have another dish. So there's about four dishes on the side of the house. So that's uh. That's one of the perks of owning a house. You don't have to have to deal with assholes cutting off, cutting off your cable and throwing trash in the backyard. 
Don't get to be told when to move out. Don't have to worry about getting stiffed on my deposit anymore. Yeah. That uh, that company in Austin, still waiting for my security deposit. Still waiting. They're never going to get it. All right. So it's the week before Thanksgiving. And, you know, you guys are just punching the clock until it's time to take a five-day weekend. I hear you. I'm doing the same thing, just showing up. So we're going to give you a little bit of a grab bag. we got some random topics on this episode that we're going to go through. And, uh, yeah, we'll kind of just go through them. And the first one, it's depending on when you listen to this, this is going to be breaking news. Um, we actually just heard about it a couple hours ago. It's big Boston media news. It's a big shakeup. And, Rick, I know you're a big sports talk radio fan like I am, so this was something that we were kind of anticipating for a while. But WEEI's Kirk Minahan, he's been off the air for a few weeks, and finally it was just announced that he's going to be moving to Radio.com. And that's a huge move. That's a huge shakeup for, you know, uh, one of the biggest shows in town, one of the two biggest shows in town. And now they have their their namesake, Kirk, going over to streaming, which I think is going to be a great fit, but it's definitely going to be uh, something that's going to shake out a local radio scene. Yeah, as a guy who's not currently in the market, when I listen to Boston sports, usually when I'm at the gym on podcasts, it's Kirk and Callahan or it's Felger and Maz. I don't really listen to the other guys. You know, maybe if I'm at the gym on the weekend, I'll turn on the weekend guys, but I'm not going out of my way to seek them out. I'd go out of my way to listen to Kirk Minahan. I think he was the best radio personality in the city, at least on sports radio, because he was something different. Just put bluntly, he wasn't an ass kisser, and that was refreshing. And now that I hear he's going to Radio.com, he's going to have a national podcast. I think he's got to have a weekly column, something like that. Um, it sounds a lot like the Barstool playbook a little bit. So we'll see if that is something that's in the cards. But it seems very Barstool-esque. So it's something that's been done before. And it might sound like a downgrade going from a morning radio show on a terrestrial radio station. But I think I am the rule, not the exception anymore. A lot of people get their media on their phone now. So, yeah, it. I think he's got a dedicated following. I think they will follow him to the Internet. Yeah, the only people who aren't going to hear Kirk are going to be old people that, that aren't going to be in the demo that they're trying to hunt anyways. Dick so from 60, Andover. Yeah, the 60-year-old year guys living on the Cape. Those are not their target demo. I don't think they care too much about them. So I, I think this is a, a great move for Kirk. And I know, you know, he had been he'd been very friendly with Barstool <clears throat> with Barstool over the years, and you'd seen him on Barstool Radio. He's called in, and he seemed like he'd be a perfect fit. But obviously, being in the position he's in, being a big time radio host, I'm sure that guy had ironclad non compete clauses. So I'm sure once they kind of realized, you know, Kirk had his own issues, and you know he'd been away for a few weeks. Now, when he started talking about wanting to come back, uh, who knows what happened and why he wouldn't be wanting to return? I know he probably didn't want to go in the direction the show wanted to go in. But, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure Intercom probably just said to him, look, you can either tone it down and stop being a, a fucking psycho and do the, the more vanilla version of the show that we want to do, or you can sit on your thumb for three years. You're not going to go work for Barstool. We're not just going to release you from this contract because you are such a big name. You know, I consider myself a big sports fan, but I'm like him. I don't really give a shit about the Bruins back check. You know, I don't, when Felger and Maz are talking about the back check, I zone out. I go back to music. So his job as a radio host, talk about sports. But if sports are not interesting that day, if it's the dead of winter or just the dog days of summer, there are other ways to get a listener. And remember, Imus used to be on the fan in New York. So it's not like you have to have a hardcore sports talk 24 hours a day. You can drift in and out. But yeah, you're right. It seems like Intercom kind of doesn't want to go that way. 
They might not have the stomach for some of the controversies. And yeah, Kirk has always said when he flames out, it's going to be quick and it's going to be just brutal and explosions. Wasn't quite an explosion, although we'll see on Wednesday or Thursday, I should say, when he's supposed to appear on the show again. But yeah, I'm interested and hopefully he can be his full unfiltered self. Yeah. And and again, I know you're a big sports talk radio fan like I am. I I listen to it, you know, a, a lot throughout the day, every day. And I feel like I feel like I was having this conversation with, with someone earlier that, um, you know, I, it's, I can understand how you wouldn't like someone like Kirk or even someone like Felger or Adam Jones. But I, I feel like if you listen to enough sports radio and you are interested into it, if you're interested in it, you can kind of pick up on these guys are playing characters and they're playing it up. Yeah. And I feel like the people that get the most heated or people that dislike these guys the most are the ones that don't understand that. Like, oh, he's an asshole, he's a misogynist, he's this, he's that. It's like he's playing it up and he's getting a rise out of the morons where the rest of us are kind of just watching and laughing and just kind of enjoying the show. We're so, in on the joke. Exactly. And I feel like Kirk has, you know, he dials it up a lot of times, but when he's not playing that character, I feel like the reason why I enjoy him so much and he's someone who brought me back to EEI. I was, I was done with EEI the day one, 98.5 launch. And that was primarily just because EEI was, you know, when we were kids growing up, it was the only thing in town. But it was it was just old guys yelling at each other, screaming over each other about, you know, minutia that I didn't really give a shit about. So when there was another and option, I, I jumped out. John Dennis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So my, my, my main point, though, is uh, why I like Kirk so much is just because he's, you know, he's, he's authentic. He's talking about, you know, more than just sports. And I definitely enjoy the in-depth sports talk, but I think there's a time and a place. When I hear... Maz trying to break down the you know the Celtics center depth. I know he's talking out of his ass, so I kind of tune out. So that's where I think you know if if it's something that you know a lot about, like again, go back to Maz. You were a Red Sox beat reporter for years. I'm definitely going to listen to you a little bit more when you're talking about the Red Sox than when you're breaking down special teams on the Patriots. Yeah, WEI definitely grew stale in the late 2000s. I think there was probably some burnout from the two Red Sox World Series runs. And then when 98.5 hit the scene, Patriots have been the biggest story in town probably the last 10, if not 15 years. You know, Red Sox are probably the top team 0304, but really since then, the Patriots have taken over. So they've got the Patriots. The Bruins had their moment with their run to the Cup, and they went back to the Cup in 2013. Now they've got the Celtics. I don't know if Kirk Minahan is single-handedly responsible for bringing WEI back. The Red Sox did become relevant again in 2013 with their championship run, but Minahan is a big part of the reason why WEI is relevant again. So it's going to be interesting to see, do people tune EEI out again? Has that format gotten stale again? Yeah, and that's the thing that'll be interesting to see, because I don't know how much you listen to it now, but uh, it's gonna, it, the show's going to change to Martin Callahan, and you know, they're, they're fine. But I feel, like, I feel like they haven't hit their stride yet. They haven't really kind of found what they want to be. Whereas Kirk and Callahan was definitely a formula that, that worked. Uh, I feel like Martin Callahan still kind of looks like a show they're trying to put on rather than just two guys talking. So, I mean, it's, it's still new. We'll see what happens. But um, I'm definitely interested to, to check out Kirk on Radio.com, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm glad he's not going to Satellite because that's seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever it would be a month. I was going to pay for it. So if he ever does go to Satellite, I might, might finally get that car with the XM upgrade. But for now, thankfully, I'll just be able to Find him in the podcast store. Yep. 
All right, moving on to our next topic in the grab bag. The NFL was set to play in Mexico City this weekend, and they up and changed their mind because of a massive complaints and uh, basically all the teams are saying, we're not playing here. Have you seen the field? The field looks like shit. The field at our high school was better than this. I don't know if you saw pictures of it, but it, there was holes. It was just beat to hell. There were soccer games on it. I, apparently, there was a Shakira concert last week that just ripped it all up. And that's just, besides just being completely unprofessional and a joke for such a such a gigantic league, that's unsafe. Yeah, it, it's unacceptable. And there were whispers of players who said, if they were going to play there, we're sitting out. We're not going to bust a knee so you can expand the game into other markets. And I wonder if these players, especially in the wake of Le'Veon Bell, when guys say, I ain't playing, they're not messing around anymore. And so I wonder if the league kind of caught wind of that and they didn't want to be embarrassed. But yeah, it, it is an embarrassing situation. Maybe not even as much for the NFL as just that stadium management. You knew you had an NFL game coming here. The biggest media product in the United States, if not the world, with all their hours of content and ratings and billions of dollars. You can't make the field nice. You can't reschedule some of the soccer games. I know that soccer is bigger in other countries, but this is the NFL, man. Yeah, that's interesting because I wonder if to them, it, uh, when I'm saying them, I mean the you know down in Mexico, to them, is it a big deal? So like, holy shit, we have the NFL coming? Probably or not. It, or is it, yeah, or is it more of just, all right, the NFL wants to come play here because they're trying to expand. Fine, we'll, we'll let them play. We'll uh, catch let's see. Check. We got Shakira on Tuesday, and then we got... Uh, the soccer game on Monday. So you guys can come in between then. Like they might not even give a shit. So um, I, I just feel like the NFL, they, they can't get out of their own way. There's always one embarrassment after the next. And this is bad for a team, for a league that makes teams fly to fucking London. Now you're sending guys to Mexico city, which God forbid you ever see like man on fire. That's a dangerous fucking place. Now you got guys that can't drink the water. They can't leave the hotel. They can't really do anything. And now they got to worry about blowing a goddamn Neo because they're basically playing in a high school high school field. You know, the turf is much better here, obviously, but they're playing at the L.A. Coliseum. It's not exactly like that's a palace either. But, yeah, at least the turf will be better. It's professional grade. You don't have to worry about anyone getting injured. One thing I'll say, you know, on the one hand, you could say the NFL lucked out. This was going to be a Monday night game because weren't the Raiders in Mexico City a few years ago? This yeah. could have been just... A meaningless game between two meaningless teams. This was going to be a Monday night team between the two best teams in the league. International game. The NFL kind of lucked out that this was going to be a nice matchup. Now they're moving it back to the United States. They still kind of luck out because if they're moving a Raiders-Cardinals game back, there's no real interest in that. But these are the two best teams in the league. So they shouldn't have any trouble filling a stadium wherever they play it. But obviously California has its own issues right now. So we hope that that doesn't make matters worse because it seems like these teams have been traveling all over. I think the Rams were out in Colorado getting ready for the altitude. Yeah, yeah. They were there all week kind of taking a play out of the Patriots playbook where, all right, we'll train here and we'll get used to it. But it kind of reminds me of the old uh, – it was one of the first years they did the, the London games, and the field was just such a disaster. It had been raining for a few days before that. I don't know if you remember. They – I think it was – probably the Jaguars team, the Jaguars play over there every year. But there was a punt where the ball, no one caught it, and it landed in the grass, and it just stuck. There was so much mud, it just stuck right there. And it's like, you got to be shitting me, man. Like, I'm not a huge fan of turf because it seems like everyone blows their knee out on turf now. But you got to do better than this, guys. 
Yeah, so maybe a little egg on their face, but I think they made the right move. And hey, thankfully they're not moving an Oakland Raiders game back and forth. This is a game people will care about. And, you know, silver lining, hey, biggest game of the season so far. You're playing it on Monday night and you're playing it back in the United States. You're going to get an actual home crowd. So, you know, it could have been worse, I guess. All right, moving on to the next item in our grab bag. We're going to talk a little bit about the Celtics. So the Celtics have been a little bit of a downward spiral. They went one and four in the recent five-game road trip, and they just kind of look out of sorts, which, again, not to be unexpected. They had two guys coming back off of season-ending surgeries, one of which played five minutes last year. And they're just trying to work a lot of guys in. They got a lot of young guys. So I'm not surprised at all. I'm not worried about it. I fully expected them to be kind of just trying to figure it out in the early goings. But did you see this quote from Kyrie Irving? He was pretty much all but putting out a job offer in Carmelo Anthony's locker. He had said, quote, right now, I think it would be nice if we had someone that was a 15-year vet, a 14-year vet that could kind of help us race along the regular season and understand it's a long marathon rather than just a full-on sprint. That pretty much describes Carmelo Anthony, a 15-year mm-hmm. vet, a guy who is just about to be a free agent on the street. Like, where is that coming from? Aren't you supposed to be that guy? Al Horford's a 13-year vet, but aren't you supposed to be the championship veteran leading this team, kind of telling them, hey, guys, calm down, relax, we got this, don't worry about it. Like, you want to bring in Carmelo Anthony? That guy has never won shit, that, anything that counts, besides, you know, Olympic medals. And we, we all know Olympic Mello is not Carmelo Anthony. He did get Bayheim his only championship at Syracuse. But again, to your point, 15, 16 years ago. And yeah, I think the Celtics got enough guys right now. They don't need to have more cooks in the kitchen. Figure out with what you got. I think you got enough talent there to get out of the East. I don't think you need to be adding more parts. Someone actually called in to Felger and Maz today and was, was citing the, the Mellow Olympic medals as well as his Syracuse title as why they should pick him up because he's a winner. And they're like, wait, are you, are you serious or not? But I just, he, he's never played defense. That's no secret. We all know that. He's always been kind of an isolation player, a guy that can get his own shot off. He doesn't need an offensive system to score. But the league's really changed a lot since he came into it, and he's really never changed the way he plays. And I just feel like he's not necessarily worth the hassle. For a team like the Celtics that put such an emphasis on defense, they're one of, if not the highest-rated defense in the league, but also a team that puts a huge emphasis on guys that can fill multiple roles, play multiple positions. They want to play positionless basketball, as they always say. You know, you got Jalen Brown, you got Jason Tatum, you got Al Horford, all these guys that can guard multiple positions. You want to bring in Carmelo Anthony, who can't guard any of them? That just sounds ridiculous. Yeah, I, you know, I think they've got enough talent there with guys like Kyrie and Hayward, and I think they get enough young guys that they can mix and match. I, you know, I think Jimmy Butler could very easily blow up the Sixers. So why would you want to do that with your team? Yeah, and I, I said this on the blog the other day. If Carmelo were a through and through three point guy, just a deadly three point shooter. I could see them adding him. I would totally understand that. Kind of similar how, to how the Heat brought in Ray Allen in 2012, just to drain wide-open corner threes. But I was looking at his numbers, and Melo's a career 34% shooter from three. If you looked at just this season, the, the percentage three-point shots, that would be good enough for 168th in the NBA this season. So he's not a good three-point shooter. So he's not a guy you can just kind of leave, like even more recently the Cavs did with Kevin Love. He's just a guy that's going to just clog up space, probably be a pain in the ass, and not play any defense. So I'm out on Melo. 
And a guy like Ray Allen, first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't even know what they do in the NBA. They let everyone into the NBA. Dino Rajas in the NBA Hall of Fame. But you know what I mean. Ray Allen, that's a stud. That's a Hall of Famer. That's an all-time great. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Anthony, I don't know, man. I mean, he's definitely going to, just on vo- scoring volume alone, he'll probably be first ballot depending on when he goes in. But um, speaking of Ray Allen, I don't know if you've watched the new ESPN show. Uh, it's, what's it called? I think it's called Basketball, A Love Story. Have you seen oh, yeah. any of that? Not I was too watching, much. I was watching the one last night, and it was basically just the last six, seven years of the league. So there was a lot of uh, LeBron early heat years in there. And they were replaying the, the game that you and I were at T's Pub watching. Game six of the 2013 NBA, 2012-2013 NBA Finals where Ray Allen hits that dagger three in the corner as time's about to expire to keep the, the heat alive in game six. And then the heat obviously won in seven games against the Spurs. But you're just watching it in slow motion and they're breaking it down. And obviously it was an incredible shot. But watching them break it down, Ray Allen's running in to get a rebound. There's you know 10 seconds left in the game. They're down by three. He's running in to get a rebound. It gets tipped up. He doesn't even look around. He just drifts back, doesn't even look back. He starts drifting back. He gets exactly to the spot he needs to get to, waits, catches it, shoots, releases, just silky smooth. The guy never even looks down to make sure he's in bounds. He just knows where he has to be, and it's just incredible to watch. Bill Simmons on that show called it the greatest shot in NBA history. Yeah, I have a tough time arguing with that, but he, he's played a lot of games. He knows where he, he knows where he is on the court. Ray Allen, you son of a bitch. All right, next topic on the grab bag. This is something that popped the other day, and I know you've been there, so I'm interested to hear your take on it, but Marlins, is it called Marlins Ballpark? Marlins Park? What the hell do they call it? Marlins Field? I think it's just Marlins Park. Marlins Park. They are finally removing that ugly-ass home run statue, and you you knew that was going to be the first thing Derek Jeter kicked to the curb. Derek Jeter is a man of class, and you see that statue, that is anything but. There is no way that thing was staying in Derek Jeter's house. And uh, it's kind of ironic because what are they replacing it with? The absolute last thing they need, more seats. This is a team that had 39 of the 50 lowest attended games in baseball last year, and they're adding more seats. Like, I understand it's just, you know, try to get the statue out of let's put something in there, but you got to see the irony in that. I definitely do. It's a proven. I'll get back to that in a second. I think I was there in 2016. The upper level was closed entirely. It, it wasn't it's like Oakland, off, but it was, it was closed. No one was getting up there. Now, back to what you said. Yes, I do see the irony in adding more seats, or even if they're not physical seats, more ticketed areas to that ballpark. I get it. That's ironic. It is an improvement. You could say whatever you want about Jeter and this operation he's got going on so far in Miami. And even as a Red Sox fan, I get nothing but respect for Jeter. So this is not a Jeter thing. But he, he's a no-bullshit guy. I looked at that setup. It looks like they're going to change the color of the walls there, too. And it looked like it was navy blue in the mock-up. And I thought, ooh, Jeets is trying to turn Marlins Park into a little bit more like Yankee Stadium. But you know what? That's not a bad thing. I admire and I respect that when they built Marlins Park, they said, you know what, Larry Lucchino? There's 20 different Camden Yards in the majors now. We're going to do our own thing. Got it. Fine. It's worth a shot. It just, it, 
is really not working out. So Jeter wants to take it back in a more traditional route, and I think it's the right move. And I don't think it's going to make much of a difference in attendance. I think the product on the field is going to have to get better first. But, yeah, it'll be, it'll be one less joke that the Marlins will be the butt of. Yeah, I mean, it was one thing when they were – obviously, they weren't an expansion team a few years ago, but they had moved, so it was kind of a new, exciting thing. Uh, it's, it's one thing to be loud and, and gaudy and have the funny colors at that point moving into a new stadium, but if you suck, <laughs> no one wants to see it. This whole stadium, we can pull the blogs. We had talked about it. A horrible idea from the start. I'm a, I'm a diehard Red Sox fan. If John Henry came to the city and said, we're going to build an incredible stadium – it's going to have state-of-the-art seating. It's going to have so much room. It's going to be comfortable. It's going to be great. We just need you guys to help pay for it. I would say, fuck you, move. Now, Miami obviously is not in a, a strong enough position to say, you know, we don't want to you know, pay for your stadium. Mm-hmm. But they, they ate the bill on that. They're paying for that for the next 50 years. And the team was well, – weren't they in their first year when they got to the midseason? They said, oh, we suck. And they sold off guys like, like Burley and Jose Reyes. They said, yeah, fuck it. It's not going to work. Yeah, that sounds right, and I know that this is kind of an off-the-wall thought, and it kind of sucks to say it. I think I might have said this when I wrote my blog about the Rays and Tropicana Field. Does Florida really need two baseball teams? I forget exactly how far apart they are. I want to say it's less than three hours, and there's not much in between. But hear me out. I wonder if the Marlins situation is going to be resolved or if that team will start drawing better when inevitably the Rays move on. I don't think the Rays are going to find a solution in Tampa. And I think Montreal, great city. I don't think baseball is going to work out there. So I don't know where it's going to be. But I wonder if the Marlins really don't get their act together until they get the Rays out of there. There, There's no need for Florida to have two baseball teams. Add their attendance together, and they still probably don't crack the top 10. And it's hard to believe that only about 20 years ago, Major League Baseball thought, Suncoast Dome. They played hockey there, right? And played baseball? No problem. Here you go. It's hard to believe, not even 25 years ago, they thought that that would be an okay idea. It's just, it's mind-boggling. But so, I think Major League Baseball screwed that up. I think the Marlins issue has a better resolution when the Rays get out of their hair. Yeah, and it's funny because the Rays, Blake Snell, just won the Cy Young. And you asked 10 people down in Tampa Bay, I'm sure maybe one of them would know that. So I, I don't think there's a huge um, you know, appetite for Major League Baseball down there. But with that being said, I think Major League Baseball has kind of got – they've gotten to a point where how many more cities can you put teams in that are going to be able to support 30,000-person stadiums? Like there's just 162 games, I guess 81 at home, every single year. If your team's not even good, why am I going to that? Like I understand it, it's a cheap ticket, but – there's only so many areas in the country that are going to be huge baseball. And I know a lot of it has to do with just being historically good. You have Boston, you have New York, you get Chicago. L.A. has always been good baseball city. I mean, but after that, you start kind of running out of teams. I mean, Texas, I guess, who's got a few teams. You got Milwaukee, Midwest, um, you know, Chicago, obviously. But two teams in Florida. Uh, then you start going to Midwest. You got Seattle. I mean, you're running out of spots to put teams. I think – I think if they're going to do what they always want to do and either A, continue expansion or B, relocate teams to different areas, like say Montreal, I think you need to readjust expectations. Say you go to Montreal, 
they're not going to draw like the New York Yankees or say you want to go to a brand new city and, you know, a, a town that's never had a professional baseball team. Why not just build a stadium that's kind of like what the Chargers are playing in now that seats 10,000 and that's might fuck up revenue share, but just reset expectations. So it's not the Marlins who built this stadium that the city's paying for for 50 years and in year two, they have the top deck closed and they, they have the worst showing in the league. And they just it just looks embarrassing when there's that many empty seats. Yeah, I don't know if this would be possible. We'll have to get the 300s legal team on this. <laughs> I'd be in favor of a constitutional amendment banning cities and states from paying for these sports arenas. Because basically what these billionaire owners do, they get cities and states to bid against each other. No, we're not doing that anymore. You've, if you're a citizen and you've, I you know, probably, I don't know if it comes down to a, a local vote or if it's. Just, I think in some cases it does, and I, I think in Miami it did. So if if you're voting yes on that, you're a fucking dummy, and you should have your money taken from you. But yeah, if if any sports team owner tried to get me to shell a dollar out while he's got a billion in the bank, I would tell him to fucking kick rocks. That should be yeah. illegal. That's a crime. Yeah, and these things, I mean, I think the economic impact has been, you know, thoroughly debunked. You, you know, you say you bring in all these people for all these games, these concerts, whatnot. People weren't going to go out if that park wasn't there. Give me a break. People go out. It's, and, you know, you mentioned, should they right-size some of these parks? Barlins Park is just under 37,000. It's not like they built Yankee Stadium 2 down there. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> the Chargers, it's they're having enough trouble, too. It's like the Olympics. You want it? Yes. No. No, I do not. Because exactly. I'll build all this shit and then I'll pay for it for 20 years. Like, I think Salt Lake City is probably the only place that did it moderately successful. And that's a ski town. Like, if you go to some of these cities that don't already have infrastructure there, that shit just is just built and it just sits there. And it just is just a complete waste of money for decades to come. So, like, when Boston was in the running to get the Olympics, I know we all just fucking laughed about it like you're gonna build an additional stadium for like i don't know tennis or baseball or you're gonna have people rowing down the charles river like this no 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 no. get the hell out of here you can't thin out traffic after a patriots game you're gonna handle an olympic rush i'm staying at the quincy marriott and having a four-hour commute to fenway park it takes me and i live i don't know 10 12 miles from where i live to where i work and there's no good way to get there. You could take the Mass Pike, or you could take Starro, or you could take Memorial Drive. All three are two-lane shitholes where everyone's going in the same direction. It takes me an hour to get to and from work. I've joked so many times, if I just bought a fucking jet ski, I could get to work much quicker. I would just bomb down the Charles. You're going to bring in the Olympics? Get out of my face. Or you could row to work, or you could crew. Crew. Crew to work. <laughs> crew. That's what they do. All right, so let's wrap it up with one more topic in this grab bag. I know we wanted to do a quick fantasy football update because Big Z held on to the hand grenade that was Le'Veon Bell, which has now exploded in his palm. I feel like Homer Simpson holding on to pumpkin stock on November 1st. <laughs> I mean, what was I supposed to do last year, or last season, I should say? It was the same position. There was a contract dispute. They're going to figure out, he did, he was my fantasy ace, my stud, you know, my centerpiece. I thought, you know what, they're going to figure it out again this year. And they didn't, and we'll get to that in a moment. But yeah, from, from a totally make-believe, unimportant side, fantasy football, what do I do? I kept them, you know, earlier in the season when the Patriots traded for Josh Gordon. 
one of the locals out here tried to trade me Josh Gordon for Le'Veon Bell, and I said, fuck out of here. I probably should have taken the deal. Yeah, it would have been, would have been solid low, but he would have got something. And that's unfortunate because that's completely unprecedented. I did, I, I feel like this wasn't explained well from the start. And uh, I, Albert Breer was actually on, on Touch and Rich last week or two weeks ago talking about it. And he was saying, yeah, I had to go back and reread the CBA because I think the agent had said something where he didn't, he kind of outed himself as not fully understanding the ramifications of when he could and couldn't come back and when he could get paid. Because I didn't realize, based on Le'Veon Bell's service time and uh, how many times he'd already been tagged, he could just straight up, as he's doing, not report at all and still enter free agency. Whereas in every other case we've we've seen that I can remember, it was always a guy holding out and holding out and holding out. And we saw it here with, I, I think it was Logan Mankins, who held out for eight or ten weeks before he had to come back. Otherwise, he wouldn't be able to reach free agency the next year, where that was different this year. Le'Veon Bell, for whatever reason was able to just sit out and still hit free agency. So I feel like that wasn't fully explained. Um, I'm not reading the CBA, so I have no idea. So I'm just kind of going off of what I read. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you kind of got stuck on uh, on the fucking grenade that went off. You know, so the guy is betting on himself. The guy says, you know what? I'm going to stay healthy. I'm going to make a ton more money in free agency. And he might be right. If it were me, I'd rather, I'd rather hedge my bet, make a couple of million this year, you know, play tippy toes at the end of the season, try not to get hit, peel out of bounds a little bit early. Um, but maybe Bell is thinking there's no price you can put on your health. Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't have his salaries in front of me, but say he's been making $10 million the last, you know, he's making $10 million a year the last few years. If they offered him $14 million guaranteed, which I think was the number, his thinking is I've already got, you know, 20, 30, 40 million in the bank. I could take this bet get 14 guaranteed and then be done. They could just cut me or I could sit out, try and get more of that guaranteed money and just kind of, you know, you know, play the long, play the long game because now he has to make guaranteed money more than 14. Otherwise he looks like a moron. So I, I I doubt he's going to get a ton of huge money, but there's a lot of teams out there that are bad, stupid with a lot of money. The jets, the Browns, the Colts are three teams that come to mind. How many great players retire at or around 30? We've heard Gronk thinking about hanging him up, and he's 29. Was Barry Sanders around 30? That's probably a better comparison because he's a running back. Yeah, he was um, very young. Megatron was 30 or somewhere around 30. My point being, maybe that was Bell's career path. I don't know what his age is offhand. He's young. Me- I think he's only like 28. I think he came into the league young. But if he takes this year off, you know, he loses that money this year, but maybe he's not going to play at least 40. But maybe now he plays until 33 or 34 instead of 32 or 33. He could make that back. And taking a year off from that beating, if you've got all that money in the bank, not the worst thing in the world to take a year off from that. And it's not like he's a quarterback. I know that it's important for all players on the field. I'm not saying it's easy for a running back. But I think a running back, it would be easier to get dropped back into a new offense next year and not miss out as much. Like, if you're a quarterback and you have to get switched into a new offense, you take a year off. That could be a readjustment if it isn't the Meadowlands. So, do I cut him? Do I hold him? I mean, this was my big fear, and this drives a lot of my fantasy decisions. Lou Gorman used to say, where would he play on my team? I'm loaded with running backs. I don't need another running back. But I am just terrified that I am going to drop him and I'm going to get my ass kicked in the playoffs because somebody else picked up a guy I cut. So 
I play a lot of defense with my roster. Yeah, and someone like Le'Veon Bell, before this week, you, you couldn't cut him. If he came back, he's a top-five player. Now, obviously, uh, James Conner took his job and has filled in quite nicely. But one thing I, I wanted to bring up just before we forget about it, Le'Veon Bell, this is a guy that he's only 26. Okay. But he was a guy they fucking ran into the ground in Michigan State. Now, he and was they do it in Pittsburgh, too. Pittsburgh's a great team to have a running back from because they're the last team that runs the ball like it's 1965. <laughs> yes, and I don't, I don't have his Pittsburgh numbers in front of me, but he runs, he, you know, he's got 25 touches a game. But just, I pulled up his Michigan State stats. He had 671 carries in three seasons. That's a lot for a college running back where most of these guys, most of the, like the elite guys, they average like 10, 10 yards a carry because they're running it, you know, 100 times a year. He had 382 carries his senior year. That's fucking insane. That's that's 30 carries a game almost, depending on how many games he played. Yeah, that's. Um, but yet, I'm probably going to drop him. No one's going to use him this year, and I don't think I'd keep him next year. I'll keep James Conner. That's the silver lining. I don't know how I lucked into this. I totally forgot to handcuff him at the draft, and James Conner was still available the weekend before the season began. I don't believe it. I lucked into that one. Maybe I keep James Conner again. The thing is, is you know, you got to pick a good running back, obviously. But a team that runs the ball, I mean, good luck playing running back roulette with the Patriots. Yeah, and I, uh, I think I fell out of the playoffs last week. I my team is my league is so close where I'm in tenth place at four and six. But I think you get up to third place, if not second place, by just being one win ahead. It's just it's such a tight league. And I got completely jobbed last week. I was down 37 heading into uh, Monday night where I just kind of checked out. I'm like, I'm not going to win. So I, I went out. I came back and it was a huge night. Two touchdowns from Matt Breda, his best game of his fucking life. I had 10 points from Sterling Shepard. So long story short, I am down by less than five points with a minute to go. The, the 49ers got the ball. I got Matt Breda. All I need is the guy to break a... You know, a big screen over the middle, you know, make a big catch, maybe punch it in from the one-yard line. Uh, it's all I need. I don't need much. The guy's not even on the fucking field for the last drive. Their best player is not even on the drive. So they have third-string quarterback throwing to God knows who. So I ended up losing by four and a half points to probably knock me out of the playoffs. So that was a that was a punch in the dick for sure. You'd rather lose by 40 than four. I've been there. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I won I'm by one. There. So I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm down by four and a half. And uh, 49ers quarterback Mullins throws a Hail Mary and it falls down. But you see there's a flag and I'm standing <laughs> up screaming at my TV. Put it at the one. Put it at the one. I have the fucking running back. Put the ball at the one. No, it was like offensive holding or some bullshit. So I went, it took me a little while to go to bed. I was so jacked up from being a degenerate gambler. Oh, I mean, I need to get one of those blood pressure machines in my house because I know it's not good for me this make-believe fantasy football. And Mrs. Z has said this to me before. I don't care if you shout at the screen. I just want to know what the logic is behind it because <laughs> I'll root for a team to score. And then when they pick up more yards, they get inside the 10, let's say, or get pushed back. No, 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 I need a field goal. I don't need a touchdown. I need to get that kicker. <laughs> it's like it's like Austin Powers taking, uh, when he's the photographer at the end of the movie. Yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. Yes. <laughs> Go down. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else we want to touch on this grab bag before we get out of here? 
I got nothing. Let's do it again next week. Maybe I'll have to make a trip to the 300s World Headquarters. Yeah, we will set that up. We will get the cameras going. Uh, I don't have any lights, so we'll just have to you know look our finest. But we'll definitely get something set up for, for next week. Sounds good. All right, that's going to do it for us here in the 300s podcast. Thanks for joining us once again, Rick. Appreciate it. Good to now, chat. Now, guys, do us a favor. Subscribe to the 300s podcast on iTunes and leave us a glowing five-star review so we can keep pumping these out. All right, thanks, guys. We'll see you next time.